This episode of the Fresh Start Family Show is brought to you by our Quick Start Learning Bundle, how to build a compassionate, firm, and kind discipline toolkit that works with kids of all ages. Head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your Quick Start Bundle so you can get going today on building up a strong, compassionate, discipline toolkit in your home. Well, hey there, I'm Stella. Welcome to my mom and dad's podcast, The Fresh Start Family Show. We're so happy you're here. We're inspired by the ocean, Jesus, and rock and roll, and believe deeply in the true power of love and kindness. Together, we hope to inspire you to expand your heart, learn new tools, and strengthen your family. Enjoy the show. Well, hey there, families, and welcome to a new episode of the Fresh Start Family Show. I am so excited and honored to have Debbie Reber here with us today, who is from Tilt Parenting, and you guys are in for a treat. She is going to talk to us about raising an exceptional, differently wired kiddo. Welcome, Debbie. Hi, Wendy. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Well, I um, am really excited to meet you. Um for formally, even though it's online. I'm really excited to be sitting here with you today um, because I have been referring clients to you for years. So um, a few years ago, I started to get questions about um, differently wired kids, right? And um, and someone, you know, people wanted to know good resources and you were recommended by another positive parenting educator. And as soon as I checked out your work, I was like, oh my goodness, she's amazing. So now any anytime someone asks me, um, I send them right your way. So it's really, exciting. You. <laughs> You're welcome. And I'm just really honored um, that you took time out of your very busy schedule to be with us today. And I'm going to read to you guys just a little bit more about Debbie. And then Debbie, I'll have you kind of introduce yourself um, in, in your own way. Um, but Debbie Reber, MA, is a parenting activist, New York Times bestselling author, podcast host, and speaker who moved her career in a more personal direction in 2016 when she founded Tilt Parenting, which is a top resource, resource for parents like her who are raising differently wired children. The Tilt Parenting Podcast has grown to be a top podcast in, on iTunes Kids and Family category with more than 2 million downloads. That's so amazing, Debbie. And a slate of guests that includes high-profile thought leaders across the parenting and education space. A regular contributor to Psychology Today and Attitude Magazine, Debbie's newest book is Differently Wired, Raising an Exceptional Child in a Conventional World. After living abroad in the Netherlands for five years, that's so cool, Debbie and her husband and 16-year-old son recently moved to New York City. You're in Brooklyn, right? Is that is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, we've been here. We just passed our one-year anniversary of living here. Oh, that's so cool. We have good friends there. We were just visiting um, last year. It's Brooklyn is like one of the coolest places on earth. I was like, I am not cool enough to be in this town right now, but I loved hanging out there. <laughs> yeah, I feel that way often, actually. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> well, Debbie, tell us a little bit more about yourself, how you got to um, where you are now. Why are you so passionate about helping families and serving families in this capacity? Sure. So, yeah, I I came to this work in the way I came to most of the work I did as, as an adult, or actually my whole life was working on or creating things that I needed or would have liked to have had. And so before I started Tilled Parenting, for about 14 years, I used to write books for teenage girls uh, and speak at girls' conferences. I was uh, I volunteered with youth. I was very passionate about supporting teens to kind of discover who they are and be more confident because I felt like I was still recovering from my own teen years. And yeah. And then I gave birth to this amazing human who was a son. So I'd been doing all this work in the girl's <laughs> space and yeah. then I had this boy. I was like, okay, that's interesting. And, uh, you know, as he, as I learned what it was like to be a mom and I discovered who he was and recognized, Oh, we've got a kiddo who is moving through the world in a way that seems to be a little atypical from what I'm seeing friends and family around me experiencing. And the further I went into that journey and more and more of my time and resources were spent figuring out how to support this kid, um, figuring out how to parent a child who 
who had different needs than and wasn't really responding to maybe the parenting styles and approaches that I was trying to enforce or trying to, to use. And really just then finding education piece, it was all just getting more and more complicated with every passing year. And as a parent who is really good at researching, really good at accessing resources, great at finding community, I felt completely alone and stuck and just lost. My my husband and I were just lost. And it it was a really difficult time to feel like, you know, we're going down a path and there are no, there's no handbook for this. And furthermore, we felt really isolated. And so, you know, many years go by, we, we made a lot of changes and I can talk more about that later. But, you know, after years of homeschooling and really digging in and, and doing the deep work on myself to learn how to better support this person, I kind of came out the other side and realized, okay, I'm not alone in this. There are parents like me everywhere who are feeling the same sense of isolation and stuckness and confusion. And I just decided that's not okay. It's not okay for anyone to feel this way. And so I took all those skills I had in writing and creating content and advocating for teen girls. And I just did a big pivot and I decided to focus on parents. And so, yeah, about a year before I launched Tilt, I spent a whole year just researching and talking with families and parents and um, really under, trying to understand what are the biggest needs and the biggest areas of, of pain for us and tried to create something that would really become a community and a safe place that felt really good for those parents to access resources and information. Oh, that's beautiful. And you really have created that. So I know, tell us a little bit about your community. I mean, you have families from all over the world. I think you're similar to Fresh Start Family, right? That are, that come together to share in this journey. And um, tell us just a little bit about the families that you work with and and the community you've built, because I think that is just exceptional. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So the whole idea was I wanted to I wanted to kind of rally the troops. And so when I launched Tilt Parenting, which really started as a podcast, I also launched it with a manifesto. I wrote this like 25 page manifesto where I said, listen, this is what's (laughs) going on. This is why it's not working. This is why it needs change. And here's how we can do it if we work together. And I wrote it in such a way that I wanted to, I wanted people to read it and say, I'm in. What do we need to do? And it ha- it it has worked. And so when I launched Tilt, I launched with a, I think I had two people on my newsletter list. It was my husband and my sister. <laughs> yeah. And it just really resonated with people right away. The language of differently wired, this idea that there's nothing wrong with our kids, but it's the system itself that needs to change. And so it has kind of grown exponentially. And I, and I do have parents from all over uh, the world, which is really cool and exciting. And, and it's it, the community of parents, they're parents who are raising kids who they may not even have a formal diagnosis. They might have ADHD. Maybe they're on the autism spectrum. Maybe they're gifted. Maybe they have dyslexia. But the common factor is that they are not thriving in school or in the expectations that society has for what typical childhood should be like. And so these parents are rebelling, for lack of a better word, against those systems. And so we are united through that, through this strengths-based framework, this idea that our kids are who they, who they are meant to be. And yes, we can support them, but really our job as parents is to help them really discover their strengths, not to try to you know, fix them so they can fit into this system. So that's kind of the unifying theme that aligns us together. And there's a lot of us who feel that way. Yes. And I love that you even mentioned um, the deep work that it took from you two, 
right? Like to, to really change your paradigm around this and, and embrace all that you teach and support and advocate for it tilt. Like it's such a huge part of the parenting journey, right? Is once you, you, you know, find out that like, oh, there's some layers of the onion that I need to peel back, so to speak, because there's a lot here, right? With just parenting in general. And then when you get blessed with a differently wired kiddo, there's a lot to unpack, right? So I love that you're just modeling that, that you've done that and that you're, you know, we're all on a journey always, right? It never, we never arrive. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to say I'm continuing to do that on a daily basis, for sure. Especially with a 16 year old, right? So yes. And, um, and tell us about your son. So he's 16 now he's in, um, tell us a little bit more about because I know I just, uh, you, you are just such a wonderful advocate for him. And he's such a strong voice for tilt. So tell us more more about him. And then we'll get into our subject matter. He's like my favorite person. So he, <laughs> and I will just say he, yes, he just turned 16. He is in uh, 10th grade after homeschooling for six years last year for ninth grade, he went back to a more traditional school, still untraditional within the bigger, you know, framework of school, but six years I of homeschool mama. That's amazing. I know. I know. Did you have it a spot? day? It <laughs> <laughs> started out rough, but I grew to, to absolutely love it actually. Oh, and nice. felt it, it's really an honor to spend that time with him. Um, but yes, and so, and I will also just say with a caveat that, that now that Asher's a teenager, he's very much not involved in tilt parenting because he's right. wanting more of his privacy, which is, I respect and I'm all for. Yes, um, that's happening with my Stella too. She's, right? she's just 12 and a half and she's like, she like, normally teaches and I'm like, she's like, mom, it's embarrassing. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> but it's yeah. part of the process. So it is. And it's great. Um, but yeah, when I launched tilt, so Asher, I don't know how old he was. He must have been like 11 or 12, uh, maybe 11. And um, he was so sweet. He was, he's been so supportive. He helped me come up with the name. Like he was vetting ideas, you know, like, no, that has a negative connotation or this is okay. And um, he was very much involved. He helped me launch it with the Facebook Live. Um, which was really exciting. And I love going back and looking at that video. And then he used to be a regular um, guest on the podcast. So we did more than 20 episodes together because he's so, he's very self aware and in tune and able to really say when I'm distracted, he has ADHD, when I'm distracted, this is actually what's happening for me. And so it's really interesting. I, I, I wanted those episodes to support parents to kind of hear from a kid's perspective, what it feels like to get dysregulated, or what does this feel like to be, you know, hyper-focused on an area of interest. But what I found and what I heard from families is that they were co-listening to those episodes with their kids, their differently wired kids. And the kids were like, who is this kid? He sounds just like me. And it was like the first time uh, often that they had heard someone who they really related to. And so we've, heard from so many families about the power of those episodes and thank yous for Asher. And he's still, I share them, you know, I'm like, Oh, we just got this note. And he's, he, he feels very proud of having been a part of that and for being, you know, an advocate and and a role model almost for, for other kids like him. Um, He believes that he's awesome and he is, you know, he is, but he, you know, he's very, he, he said to me when I launched Tilt that he felt it was important to make sure other parents knew how awesome their kids were. And that was what he wanted to give voice to. Oh my gosh, literally, I'm like fighting back tears because it's so beautiful, like hearing all of that. And um, like, I I know people share the same thing about Stella too, with like the teaching and the like seeing somebody else that's just like them and struggles with the same thing. And I mean, can you imagine like how many kids that's helped and, um, you know, how new that is. Like, it's so new. And to have a child that has courage to share that and confidence, right? It's just such a a beautiful representation of the way you've raised him to be um, so self-aware of his awesomeness and that how he is beautifully designed and perfectly designed and um, how he can support so many other kids too. So it really is beautiful to hear you talk about your journey with him. And um, just all of that is really, really cool. Um, I got chills. So yay. All right. So well, cool. Well, thank you for sharing all that, Debbie. So let's get in to our subject matter of the day, which is you're going to share with us um, five 
takeaways from your book, which is amazing. Uh, we have it over on the Fresh Start Family shop page. So that's where I curate all of my favorite books and resources for families. And so um, families, make sure you go check it out. Um, but you were, I, you had um, given me all the, the, the topics that you cover, and I just chose five. They are all amazing. So I wish we had five hours to talk today. Um, but we're going to go over um, five of those. And the first one, when it comes to raising an exceptional, differently wired kiddo, is question everything you thought you knew about parenting. So tell me what you mean by that. Yes. And I really believe that that's where we have to start because... And that's how I've lived my life, to be honest. I've questioned everything. Yeah. I'm a natural rule breaker. <laughs> Me too. But, um, yeah. I mean, that's probably why we do the work that we exactly. do, right? Exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but I think, you know, we go into parenting with this set of ideas about what this is going to look like, what kind of parent we're going to be, what philosophy we're going to parent with, what ed kind of education, Montessori or Waldorf or, or whatever, what kind of, you know, organic homemade baby food we're going to make, all of these ideas. And we can be so headstrong and kind of following this plan without ever stopping and considering, wait a minute, um, maybe this isn't actually right for who this human is that I'm raising. And so, um, so I really encourage parents to start there. And by just questioning, you know, on every level, you know, what are my beliefs about around nutrition, around uh, social life, around education, around parenting philosophies, around discipline, around behavior, like all of those things yeah. so we need to understand because we're conditioned by society, we're conditioned by the way we were raised. Um, sometimes, if, you know, depending on the religion that we were raised in, that's going to shape those views. And oftentimes when you're raising a differently wired kid, you're going to run into some friction there when our ideas, you know, our limited thinking butts up against what's actually happening. So that is really important to do is to kind of make a list of those things, those beliefs that you have, these ideas, and then start to question them. Just try to poke some holes in, in those belief systems. I love that. And that is so my journey for sure. So when, so when we had Stella, so I have two kids, nine and 12. Um, and Stella is my very like strong spirited power girl who's just, um, such a beautiful, incredible blessing to our family and the world. And she just loves to lead. And, um, from a very young age, we were very surprised by that. And now it's become a passion of mine to help families who have these similarly wired kids who are just, you know, our few future generation of leaders. Um, but back then it was just like, we definitely went into parenting thinking we had it. We kind of, if you read all the books, if you go to the classes, like, and you work hard, like it's going to all fall in place and things will work out. And, and, and it all started with birth, emergency C-section, absent birth. <laughs> and then she got colic and then she turned into be this beautifully strong-willed child. And we were like, what is happening? Like, how is this possible? Um, nothing went to plan. And we did from, you know, um, we didn't actually learn to start second guessing everything until she was a toddler. And her strong will days became like, just a pit of darkness for us. But mm -hmm. it is such a beautiful practice just to know that um, everything you said, it, it's good to question and, and and change your paradigm, because it's not always an accurate paradigm that we have. I love it. Your journey sounds identical to mine. And you wow. probably have many of the same books. Like we started with, you know, you know, uh, setting limits or raising your spirited child. Then it was setting limits for your strong willed child. Then we moved on to the explosive child. Like I have yep. this whole, you know, story of as he grew up, Oh, we need more, more, more. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Magic one, two, three. So not magic. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing magical about it. Magical. <laughs> oh, yep, yep. Okay, cool. So number two is let go of what others think. Oh, man, this is a hard one, Debbie. This is like ingrained <laughs> in us to fear judgment of others. Mm -hmm. Like, why? Tell us, preach some wisdom into us about this one. Yeah, this was, I think, the hardest lesson for me. And, it, and, it, and I'm not finished learning it again, to be yeah. clear. Um, things are so much different now than they were, uh, and better in so many ways. But I used to be so concerned about how I was being perceived as a parent, because as you just said, you know, if you read the right books, and you know, you do take the right classes, and you're a good parent, then your child should should reflect yeah. that, right? Right. And so when you have a child who is not 
you know, projecting the image that you want the world to see of you as a successful rockin' mom that we've got this, uh, it doesn't feel very good. And, you know, I will say some of my lowest moments were trying, like in public situations where things went down and I was trying to protect my own ego and save face and made some really bad parenting decisions that did not best support my child and failed across the board for the whole family. So yeah, this has been an ongoing lesson for me. And I think for this one, and it affects people in varying ways, but you know, one of the things we can do is just even recognize the way that we judge others because we all do, right? We all will see something, we'll see a child at Target or something and, you know, having a meltdown, we'll see a parent maybe give them a smack on the bottom or something and we'll be like horrified, right? Let's chat for a hot sec, openly and honestly, about what your discipline toolkit looks like in your home right now. If you're anything like most parents, you're relying on the hand-me-down set you inherited. Timeouts, spankings, threatening of spankings, taking iPads away, three, two, one countdowns, groundings, taking away toys, e-bikes, iPhones, any or all of those kind of tactics that create a total relationship strain and don't even work long-term to end your child's misbehavior for good. Meaning, you might spank your child or send them to timeout today for being, air quotes, mean to their sister or disrespecting you, but then three days from now, they're repeating the same misbehavior, which causes you to flip your lid because you know they know better. I want to help you learn a new way so you can end the vicious cycle that's keeping you stuck as a parent and causing you to feel super frustrated that nothing is working to get your strong-willed, stubborn child to behave better. My team and I have recently completely refreshed our Compassionate Discipline Quick Start Learning Bundle to help you learn a new way to teach your kids important life lessons, a new way to help your children learn from their mistakes and take responsibility for their actions. You can just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, and I'll personally send you a message with a link to download this free bundle. I'm going to help you shift out of a punishment mindset and into a compassionate discipline one where you fully trust that connection-based, firm and kind discipline tools are all you need to be a strong leader in your home who holds your kids responsible when they misbehave, but does it in a way where they are learning the vital life skills they are missing when they mess up. So again, just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free bundle now. I am so excited for you to shift out of feeling guilty and shameful when you lay your head on your pillow at night and shift into feeling confident and proud of the way you handled yourself as a parent, even when you were wildly triggered and upset about the mistake your child made. Okay, I'm excited for you to dive into this free resource. I'll see you in my DMs and inside the free discipline bundle. Or we'll just, we'll, we'll see what other parents are doing and their choices they're making and we'll have this internal judgment. And it's important that we notice when we're doing it too, um, just so we can recognize that this is our own, it's triggering something in us. And the same goes when other people are mm. judging us. It's their business. It has nothing to do with our business. So I really recommend that people start to recognize when their ego is running the show, when they're being driven by that kind of social self and the external, you know, the external uh, perceptions and to start to recognize what are the situations where that is likely to happen. And when we know we're entering a situation where there is the potential or in the past we have made bad choices, we want to proactively plan. How are we going to handle this? How am I going to respond if my child does X, Y, and Z in this scenario? If we're at a restaurant and things go down and you know we need to gracefully leave, how can I do that in a way that maintains the integrity of my relationship with my child and prioritizes that and just really tunes out what's happening with other people. How am I going to respond if someone gives me unwanted advice? Uh, You know, so there are these things that we can start to practice and prepare for ahead of time, because usually it's the unexpected or that deer in headlights moment where we make the bad decisions. But over time, we start to understand 
what are the scenarios where things are likely to be challenging and we can start to, to plan for them. I will say one other thing about this is that we can train our friends, mm, you know, yeah. because often it's our friends or family who, who yeah. may say things, you know, like, give us a book. Like, you might want to read this book. It really worked well for us. Right. And, you know, that's, then we're just like, oh, you know, totally triggered. So, um, so it, it's important to, to, um, to learn how to compassionately educate other people so that yeah. they recognize we don't need to defend what we're doing. Um, th- these are what we know to be best for our family. Thank you. We're all good here. So it's, it, those things yeah. can be also important to practice and even create some scripts for, for those well-meaning uh, friends or you know, colleagues or whatever who might be giving us advice who don't understand what's going on. Yes. Oh my goodness. Well, I love how you just gave listeners some actual antidotes and action steps to do it, right? So we all like, we all want to let go of what others think, of course. But when you hit on the like, be aware of where you're judging others, it's, it's huge. It's huge. It's the biggest antidote to this because the more you can offer compassion, and a lot of this just goes on in your head, right? Like, but when yeah. you catch yourself in Target, um, or wherever with your in-laws, when you catch yourself, like correct that, actually correct it in your own head of others and say, you know what, they, um, they've probably been blessed with a unique situation and they're, they're probably working really hard to learn how to work with that child with integrity or whatever it is that you replace it with, but something that is filled with compassion because I really do. I, after you just hearing you say that, that so resonates with me that that would help reduce your, cause a lot of times I think when we fear judgment of others, it's a lot of times in our head. So yes, there, I've had clients t- plenty of times who have been in the middle of Trader Joe's and, you know, the, the elderly man says like, you just need to take him in the back alley and smack him or else you're going to raise an entitled brat. Like for sure, judgment, mm-hmm. people are judging you. But a lot of times it's just like someone looks at you and you're like, oh my gosh, they're judging me. And mm-hmm. I actually have this story that's so funny. Um, we, and this is perfectly represents this is, you know, we were years ago, my kids were probably, uh, three and six or four and seven. And we were at our farmer's farm and we were like, it was this beautiful place where we would go get our vegetables. And then I would just like go through the field and pick these beautiful flowers. It was like one of my favorite seasons of life. The farm's not there anymore. And the kids would kind of run around and my kids have always fought a lot and they started bickering with each other. And I was just, you know, trying to practice what I preach, detach, let them work it out. Um, they're like, they're empowered. They can do this and you know, blah, blah, blah. And they were bickering and yelling and rah, rah, rah. but the field was pretty empty. And then as I was patient, I was doing a pretty good job. I was talking to myself. I was like, you can do this, Wendy. They're going to work it out. And then I looked over. (laughs) There was a couple standing there in front of their like back farmhouse that I didn't even know was there. And just kind of looking at me and the kids. And they didn't even need to say anything. (laughs) I was assuming that they were judging, that they thought I was this awful parent, that my children had disturbed the peace in this empty field, like it even mattered, right? And, And I just get in the car. And, you know, by the time I'd been teaching positive parenting for quite some time, and I threw him in the car and Stella had drum lessons. And I took her to her drum lessons. And I remember I was like, get out. And I freaked out. It was like one of my greatest freakouts of all time. Mm -hmm. And I freaked. I said, get out of the car now. And I was afterwards, I was like, wow, that was a big one. That was a big blow up. And I love to tell the families I work with about my big blow ups because I know that they're like, thank God I'm yeah. not alone. <laughs> but then I re- what I realized is this is a huge one that you got to get a handle of because it will yeah. jack you up in your parenting yes. life. And yeah. so I'm happy that it happened to me because it's such a clear example. They did. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like all in my head. Like, Mm -hmm. but that is what caused me to flip my lid. Otherwise, like I probably would have been able to maintain the patience Mm -hmm. of like, and following through with what I have been taught. Like, you can do this. You don't need to freak out on your kids. It's not going to make them stop fighting. My freak out that day did not make them stop fighting. (laughs) No, it is. So I I love that you share that story. And when I share things, that's what my community loves too. Cause they, I think they're, they think we've got it all handled (laughs) and it's like, oh no. Um, But I, I think that there's something there too, because as like you, like my worst moments as a parent have happened in that exact kind of a scenario, but it's, it is 
it's because it triggers something in me of, of not being good enough, of not being, you know, um, respected, like whatever those wounds are from childhood, from, you know, that, that are so deeply ingrained, that's yeah. ultimately what's being triggered. And that's why I, you know, again, I always talk about it. This is about doing our own work. It's the deep work because that kind of reaction, I mean, as you said, had they not been there, you were fine. You were on it, but that triggered something in you. And that's where we need to spend the time is kind of like working through that. And it's, not fun. It's, right. It would be much easier to just kind of leave that in the past and think we've got it handled. But if we're willing to do that work, then it really can change everything. Yes. And then and then it does, I think, does become joyful over time. Like once you get used to like doing the work, whether that looks like therapy for you or for me, it's life coaching weekends that I'm so involved with or just talking like to a pastor or a rabbi or whoever, like it becomes more joyful as you go along. <laughs> But when you first start, you're like, what do you mean we need to go deep? Like, you can't see my inner wounds. And then once you start to work with it, you're like, oh, everybody has inner wounds. Like, okay, then cool. We can, I just said that and you didn't judge me or whatever. So, and you come out. It frees you. It frees you for sure. It really does. I love it. Okay. Let's move on to our next one is be curious and become fluent in your child's language. Yeah, I love this. And when I was writing this book, I was living in the Netherlands. And so and I was trying to learn Dutch, which I did a pretty decent job of, but I saw so many similarities about that process and how uncomfortable it is to learn another language and how you have to be endlessly curious about everything you have to, you know, you walk down this the street and you see a billboard and you see the side of a truck and you know, you're, you have to always be like, what does that mean? I wonder what that means. And so I love that idea of just being curious about everything and going deeper, like looking it up. Okay. What does that mean? Uh, That full immersion experience, which I had and which we have as parents when we're raising these kids. And so I just really love that as a metaphor, but this tilt, this idea of becoming fluent is really about knowing, like really knowing that there is always a reason for kids behavior, that everything they are doing is communication. It's communication of a lagging skill. It's communication of just an inability to handle a situation any differently because they don't know how. It's communication of frustration, of overwhelm, of being too sensitive, whatever it is. And for me, like I really learned this through Dr. Ross Green and his book, The Explosive Child. And I remember reading that when my son was in kindergarten, I believe, or first grade, and he was at a private school and things were like not going well. And, you know, because he was like not showing up in this perfect kindergarten private school way. And I remember reading his book and he has this beautiful phrase, kids do better when they can. And Mm -hmm. that I read that and it's like the light bulbs went off for me. And this idea that my child wasn't intentionally trying to manipulate or annoy or frustrate or like these were not choices. Who, what child would choose to be dysregulated? What child would choose to, to do things that were going to get them kicked out of a classroom at five, you know? And so that phrase kind of changed my life. And that's a big part of, of this, this tilt too, is remembering that there's always a reason. So our job as parents is to become super curious, to, to, to make a commitment to becoming fully fluent in our kids' unique language. And they all express, every child's different, right? So they will all have different ways of communicating when they're feeling nervous or anxious it's not going to necessarily exhibit the way we would expect. And it takes us noticing and paying attention and always assuming there's a reason behind this behavior, which on the surface might just seem really annoying. Right. And so we want to, we want to do that work. And one other piece of that, that I'll just share is going back to what we just talked about and letting go of what others think we are interpreting their language again through our own lens. And so that's where understanding what are our own triggers? What is, you know, I I mentioned the idea of feeling not respected. If that's a trigger for me, then when I have a child who, who, you know, does the opposite of what I ask, or if I ask to do something when they're little and they, 
you know, throw a tantrum, I, knowing that's a trigger for me, I'm going to see it through the lens of this is disrespectful. And then I'm going to act from that place. Yeah. And so we need to know, okay, no, that's my issue. That is completely separate from the experience of this little kid right now who has something completely different going on. So this is really about untangling to um, our own, yeah, our own baggage and, and separating it from what's happening with our kids. Oh, I love that. That phrase, children do better when they can, is really powerful. I love that. I haven't really heard that one before, of course. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. It's so simple and magnificent. Gosh, it's so cool to hear you you speak about all that because I get a lot of questions um, from families who have special needs kids, right? Or like families who have gotten a diagnosis, whether it's ADHD or autism. And they always say to me, um, will this work for my child? And of course, at Fresh Start Family, we're teaching um, positive parenting and, and general family life coaching support. Um, and I always say yes, um, because it's the, the, it's, we, this is common ground. This, this is the exact common ground that it doesn't matter, um, how your child is wired, right? Um, they all have this exact same common ground because it's human, it's humanness. Like none of yeah. us are trying to be annoying. It's all communication and it does change everything. That's like how in our foundations course, we start off with the paradigm shifting because like everything just falls into place when you start to live this, what you're talking about every single day is like, okay, what is my child trying to communicate? What is their love language, so to speak? Or what do they love? Like, again, for me, I, my, my love of teaching with, is with the power and strong-willed kids and they love to feel powerful. Like they mm-hmm. just love it. They <laughs> thrive, like put them in charge, let them make a decision. Like, and they are just like, thank you. Their little spirit just fills up, you know? And if you fight against that your whole life and try to make them different, oh my goodness, it's just going to be a long, long, treacherous journey, right? But if you could just change it and say, okay, like that analogy of the language is so perfect, you know, because because if you were to be in the Netherlands and you didn't have that paradigm of like, okay, I can do this, I can be curious, I can look stuff up, um, I can figure out like everything, then it would have been really treacherous. It would have been scary. Mm-hmm. It would have been all these things. Mm-hmm. But because you chose to see it as a learning opportunity and and approach it with curiosity, I'm sure it became an adventure, right? So yeah, most yeah. of the time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Gosh, I can't imagine. I will just say too to what you just said that. I think this is one of the many gifts of these kids is they demand that we do this work. Whereas there are, you know, a lot of kids who, when they're little might just be pleasers and be compliant, right? Yeah. They're not going to stay that way. And so, you know, as those kids grow into adolescence and and start to, you know, want that control because all humans want to feel a sense of control. Yeah. Then those parents can be, you know, all of a sudden like, wait a minute, you know, this dynamic has changed and I don't have the foundation for the relationship and, and the kind yes. of way to, to communicate that is going to help us get through this in a way without a lot of messiness. But because our differently wired kids, our strong willed kids demand that we do this deeper work, it does create the possibility from a very young age of a really deep connection that can kind of help us get through um, adolescence. I remember talking with a therapist when Ash was really little and he's like, well, he's kind of going through adolescence now, even though he's seven, like what you're experiencing is what a lot of parents would experience when their kids are like 14. I was like, okay, so I'm going to get to skip all that stuff in seven years. (laughs) And I wouldn't say we skipped it, but we definitely, we had the systems in place. We had that, you know, the, the translation guide ready. So we've been able to kind of move through things more easily, I think. I so agree with that. This is like an antidote to the teenage years are going to suck. They won't. They won't. Like they're just, they're actually beautiful, right? They're just another beautiful season with your kids as long as you, your toolkit is filled up and you have that translation guide like you're talking about. So that is a really cool, um, beautiful benefit and, and a blessing that these differently wired kids bring to the table. They, they are exceptional kids. They are blessings to our world. They are angels in our communities and our families. And that's just another reason why. So that's awesome. 
Families, I have a question for you. Would you love to be able to set really strong boundaries and rules with your children and then follow through with consistency and firm kindness? If yes, listen up. I have a program called the Firm and Kind Parenting Blueprint that I'd love for you to go check out. You can learn more over at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. Inside of this quick, easy to finish program, I'll teach you four steps to really setting those strong roles, but then following through in a way where you're using connection and firm kindness. And what I'll teach you will actually cause your children to want to cooperate with you because they truly respect you and value the rule and the boundary and understand how it serves them, not just something that they have to do or else. And it's just an incredible feeling when you go to bed at night knowing that you followed through on the rules and the strong boundaries in your home without relying on hand-me-down parenting tactics like fear, force, threats, yelling, harsh punishments that really create usually fear in your household, right? We want our children to listen to us because they respect us and because they understand why being part of the team, cooperating well, respecting rules, all those things, why that feels good as a human being. We want to do those things um, in ways that cause our children to want to respect us, not just because they're scared of us or a consequence. And that's exactly what I'm going to teach you inside this program. So again, head on over to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind to learn more. But in under an hour, this program will teach you some really effective strategies on how to create agreements with your kids instead of compliance statements, which is where a lot of parents go wrong and why their children don't end up respecting the rules or the agreements that they've made. And then I'm going to teach you how to use empathy. I'll teach you how to engage your kids' critical thinking skills when you tell them to do something and they say no. And then I'm also going to encourage you to understand how to empower your children. When children feel empowered, especially strong-willed kids, they will cooperate a whole heck of a lot easier, okay? So I want you to go learn about this program and let me know if you have any questions, freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. Okay. Um, next one you have for us is find your people and ditch the rest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and ditch might seem harsh, but I, I stand behind it. I, you know, this is somewhat connected to this idea of letting go of what other people think, but you know, we often find ourselves in relationship with, with people, whether it's school communities or, you know, kids have been in soccer together since they were little. And we may find over time that there are certain relationships that are not feeling great for our family. There are going to yeah. be, you know, the, the people who their child might spend all their time in our house, but they never reciprocate and invite our kid over to their house. Right. Or <laughs> there are the people who, who just kind of, we do feel judged when we're around them. We feel like we can't really be ourselves or that we're not being seen in those relationships. And when we kind of continue to, to hang out in those communities, it doesn't feel good. It, it also can bring out the worst in our parenting. It can, it can result in us kind of just kind of backing away and deciding to opt out altogether because we'll feel more and more isolated if we're not if we're not hanging out with people who really see and respect our experience. And sometimes this isn't purposeful, right? Oftentimes yeah. other people will be trying to, to normalize what has been so hard for us by downplaying it. Oh, all boys are like that at 10. Like they're all a little crazy. It's like, no, but you don't understand what's happening in right. my home, you know? Yeah. But, and so we can, if we find ourselves and, and that's what this tilt is really about, like noticing where, what relationships you're showing up in, in a way that where you're not able to be your authentic self, where you don't feel safe to kind of speak about your experiences and where you realize that you're, yeah, you're just kind of, um, you're opting out. You're just not showing up. And in my book, those relationships are just not worth it. They're yeah. not, they, they take too much energy from us and they don't feel good. And so, this is really about tightening up the circle, you know, like figuring out, all right, who are, what are the relationships that feel really good and 
it doesn't mean you have to break up with a bunch of people and dump a bunch of people, but we can start making conscious choices to spend more time with people where we can really not only be seen for ourselves, but people who really see our kids, you know, my, the story I tell in the book is when, you know, about a year after we had lived in the Netherlands, a a friend um, connected us for a little picnic in Vondel Park, which is like the central park of Amsterdam. And there were a bunch of kids and this woman who had run my book club was there. I'd, I'd seen her, but I never really knew her. And Ash was playing with the other kids and he ran up and there was a bowl of, of plums on the blanket. And he runs up and he's like, plums, I love plums. He, I love plums. Like the most enthusiastic you could ever be about plums. And this woman, her name is Simone. She's like, she looked at him and then he grabbed a plum and he ran off. She's like, all right, whose kid is that? I love that kid. And <laughs> you knew she, you were BFFs immediately. And I was like, oh, all right, you're my person. <laughs> she, she has turned into being one of my best friends. Um, oh, we, cool. we still Skype weekly. She would, she loves my kid so much. Like oh. all the years we, we lived there, she would just take him out for a little coffee date sometimes. Like she just, or walks when I meet, was working on a project and she's like, let me go hang out with Asher. I love my conversations with him, but that's what we want. We want people who really love our kids. Those are the people that are going to fill us up and also help our kids feel really good about who they are. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I like this idea of like investing and pouring into those relationships without the guilt of like, cause you know, we, everybody has the friends and family or neighbors where you, you can spend a lot of time justifying and being like, but I want to hang out with them. We always had so much fun. And like, if I don't invite them to an event or if I don't show up at this one, like, don't even spend your time there. Like you don't need to, you can just brainstorm and think like, Oh, who do I get lit up when I hang out with? Who am I super comfortable? Who is like, obviously not judging me or my kid who is like there to support me. Like, let me, let me kind of pour into those relationships because mm-hmm. that, um, that's, that's a really kind of uplifting thing, I think. And then I, it's so cool nowadays, right? We have the physical circles. Well, not right now because it's COVID, right? Like you said, <laughs> we're hanging out on Skype and Zoom, which is cool, or maybe small, small gatherings. But, um, but now we have this blessing of technology, right? Where we get to have Facebook communities where it's so important. I think you guys have a Facebook community for the podcast. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah, yeah together. Yeah. Yes. And we have our private membership group, the bonfire and that as far as community goes and finding your people, that's huge. Like it is so important that you make sure you realize that you are not alone and just, and, and yes, Facebook groups take effort. Like you can't just pop into a Facebook group and then expect you to be like, everyone came over to my house today and they come over every day. Like you actually have to show up. You have to support others. Like the way the ecosystem of online groups work has been so fast that the way they work has been fascinating to learn about, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you have to actually be part of it. You have to be serving and creating relationships, but they are powerful. So, and then on the opposite end of that, there's people that you follow that you start to realize, um, you know what, they're kind of either preaching a different message or they believe in different values than I do, or they, they keep highlighting that my values are wrong or that, um, something, you know, they're not whatever it is and, and to not feel guilty mute muting or unfollowing. It's okay. It's not an attack. It's just, um, just, it's just, you only have so much time in your day. You only have so much brain space, fill it with people that fill you up. So yeah, absolutely. And I will say too, I mean, Facebook is for me, you know, Facebook has many flaws, but the community on there has been so great for me. And I know it's not for everyone, but also, you know, again, COVID notwithstanding, Um, you know, even just finding a few people, like the first group I had joined was I discovered there was a a twice exceptional parent group at the school that my son went to for second grade in Seattle. And I, I don't even know how I heard about it. Like it wasn't posted anywhere. Like it was like someone told me and I went and there was like, it was like a Wednesday evening. We met in the library and there were like 30 people. And I was like, Oh my God, I didn't know you guys were here all along. And I was so excited. We broke into little mini groups. There was like the ADHD table, the autism table, like, and it was the first time ever I was in a room with people. And it, that I think that changed so much for me. I just felt so relieved. 
And so whatever it looks like, whether it's Facebook or it's an in-person or it could just be three people that you're like meeting for coffee once a week or once a month to talk. It's so, oh, it just fills you up to find those people. Oh, yes, yes. Beautiful. Okay. Our last piece of wisdom from you today is, I love this one. I cannot wait to hear you. Um, help us understand it. Recognize how your energy affects your kiddo's energy or affects your kiddo. Yes, because we are often, first of all, these kids are often hypersensitive and really connected to our energy, which is a lesson we often learn the hard way. And the, the story that I'll just share that, that really connected the dots for me was I had been away at a weekend retreat. It was like a life coach training event with Martha Beck and I, you know, I came home from that event just feeling so zen and like oozing good energy. And I was like, I am so like, nothing's going to face me. I was in this like altered state. And, and this was, I don't remember how old Asher was, but this was kind of in the throes of the really challenging years. And I walked in the door Having been away for the weekend, he was so excited to see me, gave me a big hug. But within like minutes, something happened and was back to a huge dysregulation meltdown mode. And I just, I didn't say a word. I just walked over to him and I just took him in my arms and I just breathed and I just like tried to fill him with love and I just slowed my breath and held him. And it was as if like a light switch went off, like the the tantrum stopped like almost immediately. You know, speaking of magical, it felt magical. And, and we had also been in this months long regression and that was like the end of that. Like, and I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, this is amazing. This is a superpower. And all I have to do is maintain this kind of Zen, you know, space and we're good to go. Like we won't have any more meltdowns. Which is easier said than done. (laughs) That was not a realistic thought as it turns out. But that experience for me, it has stayed with me. I can still feel it. I still remember it so deeply. And it it has since proven itself out many, 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 many times that, you know, our kids respond to the energy that we bring into any situation. And, you know, my son often knows, like, you know, when I'm, you know, at whatever phase of my cycle, you know, to be explicit, because he reads my energy, like he knows where I am before I even know. And, and so that's just good information to have, because it is a good motivator to, to do the work on ourselves, to take the time to, um, you know, to create our own coping routines, to do the self care, to do the things that we know will help us energetically stay in a good place so that we're not pouring gasoline on a fire, but in fact, we are coming in with some energy that can calm, um, you know, that can, you know, if you follow Dan Siegel's work, you know, the mirror neurons, we want our mirror neurons to be, you know, to not be helping our kids slip their lids. We want them to be, we want them to mirror this calm energy that we have. And so, one of the things that I share in this chapter about recognizing your energy, again, this is, I think, one of the most important ones, um, but we want to kind of create our own um, reset rituals because often we have really rough days, really rough mm-hmm. moments, yeah. and it's so important that we know how to kind of, you know, it could be like ending the day with a little a hug or a prayer or a routine that we do, um, writing, journaling about a bright spot that happens that day, um, but some way to push the virtual reset button so we can start the next day fresh and show up. I like starting every day with an intention of how I want to show up that day so that it doesn't always work out that way, but to start the day very intentionally doing what I can to create the energetic, you know, mood or space that I want to be in when I show up to parent Asher, like that it's all takes conscious effort. So whatever that looks like, whether it's, you know, meditation or visualization or going for a walk or taking a hot shower, whatever it is, but finding ways to manage our own energy so that we can, we can show up in a way that is going to support our kids emotional regulation. 
Oh my goodness, it's amazing, Debbie. It's crazy. I I love this talk because it's it's uh, crazy just how much we have in common. I feel like it's like stepbrothers right now as I hear you tell that story. I'm like, <laughs> do we just become best friends? Because I have the exact same story multiple times, right? Went yeah. to the life coaching weekend. I'm not familiar. Did you say Martha Beck? I'll have yeah. to look up her work. Um, but, but I go to your infinite life weekends and there's a few weekends where I came home and you're just, like you said, you're in that beautiful Zen space, like for the weekends I go to, like you, you can always count on, you're going to shed some limiting beliefs. You're going to do some massive healing. You're maybe going to have cried quite a bit, which is feels so good. But at the end of the weekend, once you like let yourself actually cry, whatever it is, but you come home just healed in a better place. And um, yeah, there's two, two stories. One's probably too long for right now, but the other one I remember, the most recent one, I came home and the kids, you know, have a tendency to bicker a lot. And I was just in that same Zen spot. And that was one of the greatest weeks we've ever had in my life where it was like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I was like, what is happening? Like they are getting along so well. And it was like midweek, they were like, mom, you are like just so a different person this week. And I'm like, I know. And that's what happens after every weekend course. Like, you know, every time I do them, I've probably done 35 now at this point over the last decade. And the, the residual effects, the glow lasts a little bit longer every time. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just magical. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. I'm like, why are you guys getting along? There's no explanation then other than I am centered. I am balanced. I am healed from something. I am Zen, like you said. And it came from me taking the time to go take care of myself mm -hmm. so I could show up with different energy in a different space. And it's just crazy. Like, I just, I love that one so much. And it really is so powerful as long as you're willing to take the time and put the intention and everything into it because it's really, really worth it. The, the, um, reward or the outcome is like, like we're taught, we're saying, we keep saying this word. It's magical. It's absolutely magical. And they can feel it, especially these, these exceptional, differently wired kids like Stella. I mean, Terry used to say, when Stella was a baby that he's like, I swear it's like she can mind read me. Like we, he was like, we are so connected. Like she feels everything. And, and now between the two, definitely like, um, cause Terrence like are more like, you know, just even keeled where Stella's always been like everything were, you know, very sensitive, very like highs and lows and just feels to her core. And she will feel everything like it's hilarious she'll be like mom why are you yelling at me and I'm like I am not yelling and she's like and I always crack up at that because she's like she just I'm feels it right like yeah. to her oh, yeah. it's still yelling because she yeah. can feel it and she's you know just been really trying to work through like let allowing me to be angry at times and and knowing what to do with that and even though we're so versed in this life coaching stuff she's she's still it's very hard for her because she's like she just feels it too and mm -hmm. she doesn't want to feel it you know so yeah um but it's just it's that's a beautiful way to to cap um our conversation and Debbie, thank you for just sharing so much wisdom. I know that there are so many people listening right now that just their shoulders are more relaxed and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. And just to know this amazing resources out there and, um, and hopefully they're just ending this podcast episode feeling empowered and going to have some really great takeaways to take into their work. So as we finish, can you tell listeners where they can find you? Um, of course, they can buy your book over on our website, freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash recommend. And we'll make sure we put everything in the show notes page for this episode. But tell us a little bit more about where they can find you if you have anything special going on in the upcoming months. And um, finish sure. this off strong. <laughs> So the best place, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much. I loved this conversation. I definitely feel that we're totally on the same page in that kindred spirits thing. And I that's so fun awesome. um, to connect. So uh, people can find me mostly at Tilt Parenting. That is the home for all of my resources. I've got more than 200 podcast episodes and they're sorted by like homeschooling or ADHD or SOS. Uh, for parents or, or, you know, you can kind of find the episodes that that would most help you right now. Um, I also have a section on education, which I launched in January, which is kind of interesting now as everyone's education is up in the air, but just tons of resources on there. Um, I do have a Facebook community, which I started about a year ago. It's called Tilt Together. And that is just a community where 
parents like us kind of join together. And it's really that I, I'm looking for an OT in you know, Tulsa, or I'm looking for uh, this, or people just sharing, this is what's happening, who's been there, give me some advice. And that it's such a generous, amazing community. So that's called Tilt Together. And then if people want to work more with me, I do have a group called uh, a membership community called the Differently Wired Club um, that the doors open a couple times a year. And we do, you know, that includes like virtual office hours and coaching and book club and, and all kinds of things like that. So that's for people who want a little more one on one. I love it, Debbie. Awesome. Well, thank thanks you. again for being here. That was so much fun. And um, have a good day. <laughs> thank you. You too. For links and more information about everything we talked about in today's episode, head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash 82. For more information, go to freshstartfamilyonline.com. Thanks for listening, families. Have a great day. All right, listeners, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. As we wrap up here, don't forget to DM me the word shift or head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free discipline quick start learning bundle. You'll get immediate access to download our extensive learning guide where I'll share five ways you can ditch the old school hand-me-down punishment mindset beliefs and thoughts that are causing you to react like a volcano instead of respond like the firm, kind, respectful teacher you are at your core. And then you'll also get immediate access to my on-demand workshop where I'll teach you our three core Fresh Start family strategies that make up a strong, compassionate, disciplined toolkit, as well as my favorite logical consequences that not only work with kids of all ages, but do wonders to unite you with your child and strengthen your relationship, even in your kid's worst moments. So pop on over to Instagram right now and just shoot me a DM with the word shift and I'll send you a personal link to download that bundle right away. Or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to get access immediately. All right. Thanks for listening and I'll see you inside that free bundle and also inside the next episode.